welcome to This Week in Video Games, episode 79. My name's Tom Kershaw and this is a podcast all about the world of video games. Well, this week I've been playing Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart, probably the best PS5 game out there right now. I've also been checking out a tactical RPG game on Nintendo Switch called Pathway, and that one is going to be right up your street if you're into Indiana Jones. Well, we're all still getting over E3 and the news dump that was E3 2021, so I'm going to be going over my top 10 moments plus digging into more of the Breath of the Wild 2 theories. Well, it's a jam-packed show as always, so let's get to it. Welcome to the show everyone, I hope you're well and you're having a good week. Well, E3, it's come and gone and for the most part it was pretty entertaining and I think the big two were for sure Nintendo and Microsoft and we're starting to see Game Pass really come into its own now with the tremendous amount of value that it's going to bring. The roadmap for month by month releases on Game Pass looks incredible and I would definitely recommend getting it if you haven't already. I'll be running through my personal top 10 moments from this year's E3 later on. And one thing that was definitely missing from this year was Sony, although I heard they are going to do their own thing later on in the summer. You know, this is yet to be confirmed, but I would expect something to be around the mid or end of July, with Sony letting us know what's coming next from their studios. Well, Nintendo had a great showing and had nearly 3.1 million people viewing the Nintendo Direct at the peak, which showed off the surprising Metroid Dread and also the expected trailer for Breath of the Wild 2. I'm going to be diving into the Breath of the Wild 2 trailer and theories later on in the show, as the quick-cut nature of the trailer gave us plenty of snippets to speculate about, so I'll be doing just that. And I'm super excited for the new Breath of the Wild, as I'm about to start a fresh playthrough of the original, given the last time I played it was sometime in 2018, although I did complete the DLC in 2019, so definitely looking forward to jumping back into Hyrule. And we also have Skyward Sword coming out in just a few short weeks, so it's going to be a big Zelda summer here. But before we get into the show, I wanted to plug the podcast Patreon, and you can send in your questions, your comments, and your stories for community questions by signing up to the Patreon. So for as little as $2 a month, you can sign up to become a patron, where you can access exclusive Discord rooms, send in questions and comments to be read out on the This Week in Video Games podcast, plus get access to exclusive content and early access to the podcast too. And there's plenty of benefits over there on Patreon, plus you get to support the show and help This Week in Video Games become a little bit more self-sufficient. Well, that is it for my waffly intro, but next up, let's have a look at what I've been playing this week. Well, this week, as I mentioned before, I've been playing Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, and it has to be one of the best, if not the best, PlayStation 5 game out there at the moment. And I'm going to get into my thoughts on that first up in the show. Well, later on, I'm also going to be checking out Pathway, with Chucklefish being kind enough to give me a review copy ahead of the release of Nintendo Switch. So massive shout out to Chucklefish for doing that. It's really, really appreciated. So all that, plus the E3 wash-up and delving into Breath of the Wild 2 theories, and also be going over the usual charts and what games are coming out soon. But feel free to skip around the podcast by using the timestamps down below to find a section you're most interested in. Well, that is it for what I've been playing this week, but next up, let's check out my review of Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart. Well, Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart is the latest game from Insomniac Games, creators of Marvel's Spider-Man, the PlayStation exclusive, and this one is another iteration on the fast-paced action and adventure games that Insomniac have been producing in recent years. You know, whether you're new to the Ratchet & Clank series or a seasoned veteran, 
This one is bound to bring a smile to your face through its thoroughly enjoyable gameplay. You know, Rift Apart is simply a stunning game, there's no question about that. You know, since the game was revealed in the summer of 2021, it's been demonstrating the power of the PlayStation 5 very well, feeling like you're almost playing a Pixar movie. And this is a demo of what video games could be, and it lives up to that promise of what next generation can deliver. Yeah, Spider-Man Miles Morales looked great, but this is a whole different kettle of fish, and it's specifically made for the PlayStation 5. Rift Apart is the latest in the Ratchet and Clank series, so if you're new to the series, then Ratchet is a Lombax, and he's got a little buddy called Clank, who's a tiny robot. Ratchet and Clank are a heroic tag team who, across a series of games, have saved the world from the evil Dr. Nefarious and also other baddies too. And as far as the story goes in Rift Apart, Ratchet and Clank, they're celebrating their latest victory, and Clank presents Ratchet with a gift called the Dimensionator. This is a device that can open up portals into other dimensions, However, things take a turn for the worse when Dr. Nefarious steals it and escapes to a dimension where he always wins. And much like other Ratchet and Clank games, it's your job to save the world once again. So diving through the holes to new dimensions is the key game mechanic, and videos and clips don't really do this mechanic justice, as experiencing the dimension jump for the first time is one of those wow moments that is only really made possible due to the power of the PlayStation 5. So we've seen this mechanic in other games before, you know, either time skipping or traversing into new environments really quickly, but we've never really seen anything before on this scale. So Insomniac have plenty of practice over the last few years with Spider-Man in terms of creating fast-paced action adventures, and lots of that is on show here. The story doesn't really matter that much, it's standard hero save the world stuff, but the package that's been put together by the team is really, really something to be experienced firsthand. So we've got Ratchet and Clank in one dimension, and we've also got Rivet and Kit in others. So Rivet and Kit, they're new characters, and through dimension hopping, Clank ends up with Rivet, and Ratchet ends up hunting for his little buddy with the help of Kit. The story doesn't really have a huge amount of substance, but it is a feel-good tale, and again, it's similar to a Pixar movie arc. Talking of Pixar movies, let's talk about the graphics just for a little bit, and they really do knock your socks off. You're going to be slack-jawed looking at the screen for most of the game, so you've got a 4K ray tracing mode at 30 frames per second, plus you've got the performance mode at 60 frames per second, and both look and perform beautifully well. But if you've got the hardware that caters for that visual treat, I definitely would recommend playing it at 60 frames per second with the ray tracing on. So the animation is fantastic and the worlds are big and vibrant and you'll often pop between the two worlds very fast, instantly loading in a whole new scene with buildings, characters and all sorts of environmental NPCs. Yeah, in terms of the levels, then the gameplay is spit between the main Lombax heroes, so you've got Ratchet and Rivet and gameplay is pretty much on rails and plays like a Ratchet and Clank game of the past, which means plenty of platforming, shooting and fast-paced action. You're going to make your way through the worlds, often switching between the two heroes at a moment's notice, gathering resources, and one of the most important to collect is rare titanium, which are going to help you upgrade your weapons. And you're going to want to do this as as you progress, the weapons get crazier and even more overpowered as you level up, and they're really, really going to help you out. And Rift Apart can get tricky in places with the difficulty scaling up quickly as you progress, so having the right tools for the job is very, very important. So as you make your way through the planets, killing smaller enemies and collecting materials, you'll build up towards the final set piece of the level, which will either be a chase sequence or a massive boss fight. There's nothing really groundbreaking about these encounters, you know, we've been doing these kinds of things for years, however the execution and the sense of fun is a really good example for all the other developers out there. So this has the gloss of a fully optimised PlayStation 5 performance, 
As well as showing off all of Insomniac's ability to create an exciting action and adventure game, it's showing off the PlayStation 5's hardware and capabilities too. So sometimes the game does veer into tech demo territory, much like other early generation games of the past, thinking of Killzone specifically. Yeah, this is different though because the game is actually really, really good. Dimension hopping has been front and centre of the marketing campaign, so you get out the little device, create a wormhole, jump through, and instantly the environment will change around you. This is the primary reason why it's a PlayStation 5 game only, so the PlayStation 4 just couldn't handle what could be done on the modern hardware. So the dimension hopping is really impressive, but the environments are equally impressive too, filled with loads of enemies and NPCs. So this is one of the busier games I've seen, related to simply how many characters are on screen at once. So as well as the action sequences, you've also got these smaller, slightly less heart-pounding puzzles. There's hidden portals to find little pocket dimensions. You often find yourself trying to figure out what order to hit the switches in, and also other puzzles of a similar style. So, so these are like mini Zelda shrines, and offer a nice respite from the fast-paced action. That's not to say the action isn't welcome, because it is, and Insomniac often look like they're flexing their well-toned action game muscles to full effect. You know, you're going to crash and hurtle and bang through big set pieces, often in Rift Apart, and the game likes to throw as much debris as possible in your way. Well, there's plenty of particle effects and other PS5 jargon flying around at you constantly, which makes the gameplay loads of fun and very memorable too. The weapons in the game are really great fun with plenty of variety on offer. However, one criticism I would have is that I ran out of ammo quite often, which felt a little limiting in what I could do. You know, I'd get into a flow with a weapon and then I'd run out of ammo and that would interrupt the flow of gameplay and it did happen quite often. Now, a couple of my favourite weapons include the lightning rod, which as you can imagine by the description shoots electricity and you can also chain enemies together with the lightning. There's a couple of different styles as well. You generally have guns or weapons that you can throw, but do conserve ammo though as running out can be quite frustrating. So gameplay is switched up every now and again, and there's this great moment where Ratchet gets rocket boots attached, you end up skating quickly across a massive environment while trying to locate this huge building while it's making its escape on massive legs. There's neat little sections where you have to solve computer viruses with a little metallic helper who creeps inside the computers to smash the computer virus bugs. And this mode plays with perspective, plus the haptic feedback on the controller is turned up to 11. And I also really enjoyed the puzzles with Clank and Gary. We have to direct a stream of Clank ghosts in a certain direction and open up the pathway to allow Clank to escape. There's a really good mix of gameplay styles and Insomniac have done a really great job. One of the things I really appreciate about the game is it's not too long, you know, coming in at roughly around 12 hours for a single playthrough and about 15 hours if you want to find all the secrets. And not all games have to be 60 hours, and I feel like this really respects my time. I'm not saying I don't want more, because the gameplay is so fluid and fun, I probably do want more. However, in my life at the moment, this is the perfect size game for me, and I've just been given enough, and I'm left wanting more, and it doesn't overstay its welcome. It doesn't feel padded out or repetitive, so really, it's the Goldilocks of games by getting it just about right. So Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart looks like it could have come from the future to demonstrate what current-gen consoles could do in a few years' time, and it's great to see games embracing the capabilities of new consoles and showing off exactly what they can do. So this is a game that struts with confidence and checking out videos and streams doesn't really do the visuals justice. It's not just it's good-looking, the story is well-formed and flows with ease, and the fluidity of the movement of the action is hands-down, some of the best you're going to play, and the sheen and the quality shines through with every level and encounter. If you've got a PS5, 
this one is a must-buy title. So the developer was Insomniac Games. It's published by Sony Interactive. It's out on the PlayStation 5 and was originally released on the 11th of June 2021. Well, that is it for my review of Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart, but if you're enjoying This Week in Video Games content, then check out patreon.com forward slash This Week in Video Games for benefits like joining in the community discussions on podcasts, early access to exclusive content, content voting, and also YouTube and podcast shoutouts. Watching the videos and interacting down there in the comments is more than enough, but if you want to support This Week in Video Games further, then you can through Patreon, so check out the links down below for more information. Well, that is it for my shameless Patreon plug, but next up, let's check out my top E3 2021 moments. Well, E3 2021 has come and gone, but we've got a bunch of great announcements, and also that fills up the back half of 2021 with some really exciting game releases. So I've gathered together... 10 of my favourite announcements from E3 2021 for you, together with all the important details. So let's dive into those announcements. Well, first up, it's Forza Horizon 5, and that is from Playground Games. So Forza Horizon 5 was announced, and it looks absolutely fantastic. So Xbox went into a deep dive on this one, and the social elements of the game look great. The graphical fidelity due to the power of the Xbox Series consoles looks really, really impressive, Plus, it's going to release on day one on Xbox Game Pass. So Forza Horizon 5 is planned for release on the 9th of November 2021. Well, next up, we've got a big surprise, and this one is Lost Ark. And this one is coming to the West thanks to Amazon Game Studios. So Lost Ark is a massively multiplayer online action role-playing game developed by Tripod Studio and Smilegate RPG. So it's been released in Korea on December the 4th, 2018, and it's in beta in Japan and Russia and this one was a big surprise announcement during the Summer Games Fest, and Amazon Game Studios are bringing the game to the West in autumn 2021. So this is a Diablo-like isometric ARPG with fantastic combat, and if you want to get involved in the closed beta, you can do by signing up via Amazon Games. Well, next up we've got Somerville, and this one is from Jumpship. So Somerville is similar to a Playdead game, much like Inside or Limbo. So this one is a stylish side-scrolling platformer, and it grabbed everyone's attention. So let's check out some of the words in the press release. So in the wake of catastrophe, you must find the means to make your family whole again. Somerville is a sci-fi adventure grounded in the intimate repercussions of large-scale conflict. So immerse yourself in a handcrafted narrative experience set across a vivid rural landscape and navigate your way through a perilous terrain ahead of you to unravel the mysteries of Earth's visitors. So it sounds really, really interesting, but to me... The visuals really, really got me, plus the fact someone from Playdead Games, the creators of Inside Limbo, is working on this title, so I reckon this is one to look out for. Well, next up, we've got the Guardians of the Galaxy game from Square Enix. So, Ideas Montreal unveiled their new Guardians of the Galaxy adventure, which is a single-player game where you take on the role of Star-Lord. So, this one is a third-person action game looking really similar to Marvel's Avengers, although they do appear to be unrelated at the moment. So, it got a good showing at the event, with a trailer and then a big gameplay deep dive. This one is due for release on pretty much all platforms on the 26th of October 2021, including streaming via Nintendo Switch. Next up, we got the big one from Microsoft. So this one is Redfall, and it comes from Arcane Austin. So Redfall closed out the Xbox and Bethesda showcase. This one is a new co-op open-world shooter with vampires. I'm not really into vampires that much, however, I am really into Arcane, and I love what they do. So this trailer had a lot of style, 
Although we didn't really see gameplay, but it was enough to get me excited about what we have to come, and this one is set for release in summer 2022. Next up, really, really excited about this one. This one is Replaced, and this is from Sad Cat Studios. So Replaced, it's a new sci-fi action platformer. The pixel artwork looked absolutely gorgeous, similar in style to Narita Boy, and it's pixel art, but the lighting and layering looks really, really better, more modern, whilst maintaining that retro feel. It's coming to Xbox Game Pass on day one, and definitely one to keep an eye out for in 2022. Well, next up, first of the big ones from Nintendo, so it's Metroid Dread. And it was one of the biggest surprises of the whole E3 showcase, Nintendo announcing a 2D Metroid called Metroid Dread. And Dread had been a huge concept for around 15 years, and it's finally seeing the light of day after years and years of rumours. So I think IGN reporting back on this in 2005. So Metroid Prime 4 is still in development, plus Nintendo did a huge deep dive into Metroid Dread during their Treehouse Live immediately after the main Direct. And I definitely recommend going to Nintendo's YouTube page and checking out that deep dive. It's really, really good. And sometimes you get some of the best content in the Treehouse Live videos. So the innovation here are the Emmy robots who stalk Samus as she makes her way out of the location. So these are tough enemies who hunt down Samus and it's your job to get away from them either by speed or stealth. So Samus has plenty of abilities including sliding, punching and also wall climbing. And this one is really one that fans have been waiting for and was one of those which wasn't widely predicted before the event. So it's a massive surprise and hopefully if plenty of fans buy into it there's going to be more made or perhaps the previous games remade in the future. So Metroid Dread is due for release on the 8th of October 2021. Well next up is Halo Infinite from 343 Studios and one of the best and most exciting for me personally. I've got a massive Halo history. So we had a new trailer for both the story and multiplayer plus a further deep dive into the multiplayer afterwards for the beloved shooter franchise from 343 Studios. So having been delayed a year the improvements are pretty clear from the trailers and I'm much more excited about the multiplayer rather than the single-player campaign. You know, multiplayer is going to be free to play, which hopefully should mean plenty of players getting in there at the start. You know, the Battle Pass system looks great. We can keep them forever and focus on the Battle Pass that you want to focus on. And the gameplay was really, really impressive. It looked like classic Halo, which I'm really into, plus the story looked interesting too. You know, I'm definitely excited to jump back into Halo, and I'm really glad that 343 Studios had a good showing, because it must have been really hard last year for that studio and the game is set for release in holiday 2021. Well, next up we've got Elden Ring. So I did look at this one last week, but it is worth shouting out again. The long-awaited trailer from Elden Ring was shown off at Summer Game Fest 2021, with Jeff Keighley almost welling up when he introduced. I was really, really happy for Jeff just to see how excited he was. Now, this is the latest offering from From Software, and it looks like the biggest From Software game to date, as it has open-world elements. So the trailer showed off what looks to be various bosses, horse riding, and weird and wonderful enemies, plus a few different biomes too. Now, possibly the biggest surprise with a release date, which is scheduled for the 21st of January 2022. Well, finally, we've got Breath of the Wild 2. So Nintendo showed off the second trailer for Breath of the Wild 2, showing off a little bit more of the story developments, Link's abilities, and also the environmental setting. The trailer was relatively short, but there's plenty of details packed in there. And I'm going to go into that in loads more detail in a section coming up on the podcast really, really soon. So in contrast to the first trailer, the sky appeared to play more of a prominent role in the sequel, so the first trailer showed Link and Zelda exploring the depths of Hyrule in a cave, which appeared to show a decaying Ganon. So in the latest trailer, we see Link diving from the sky, plus Link's arm appears to be covered in some kind of corruption, 
which relates back to the first trailer, with Link potentially grabbing Ganon's corpse. Yeah, Link's hair seemed longer, which makes sense given Link and Zelda appear to be on adventure and living on the road. So there was talk of Zelda being a playable character, however in the trailer we see Zelda fall to the depths, but hopefully Zelda still will be playable, but it might not be the co-op Breath of the Wild that some were hoping for. So all in all, the trailer looked great and it's brilliant to see some more of the setting and the direction where they're taking the game. You know, we didn't get a title or a firm release date, and currently the game is on the slate for 2022, and it was a little bit worrying that Anuma said they were aiming for 2022, but we are just going to have to wait and see. But it is really good to see more of Breath of the Wild 2, and I can't wait to dive in to more of those details. Well, that is it for my top moments from E3 2021, and I hope you're as excited as I was. But let me know on Patreon or down there in the comments what was your top moments. I would love to hear from you. Well, that is it for my top moments from E3 2021. But next up, let's have a look at the all-platform charts. Well, number 10 this week, it's Grand Theft Auto 5. That's up four places from last week's number 14. At 9 this week, it's Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury. Up two places from last week's number 11. At number 8 this week, down one place from last week's number 7, it's Minecraft. And at number 7 this week, it's Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales, down two places from last week's number 5. At number 6 this week, down two places from last week's number 4, it's Animal Crossing New Horizons. And at 5 this week, up three places from last week's number 8, it's Resident Evil Village. At 4 this week, it's Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, down one place from last week's number 3. And at number 3 this week, it's FIFA 21, down one place from last week's number two. And number two this week is Minecraft Dungeons, up a whopping 28 places from last week's number 30. And still in there at number one, it's Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, which I've talked about earlier on the podcast. Well, that is it for the all-platform charts, but next up, let's have a look in closer detail at the Breath of the Wild 2 trailer, plus dig into some of the fan theories a little bit deeper. When Nintendo showed off their latest glimpse of Breath of the Wild 2 at E3 2021, having introduced the game to the world at E3 2019. The trailer may have been short, but it's packed full of interesting details, and today I'm going to go through everything that we currently know about Breath of the Wild 2, plus round up some of the speculations in the community since the trailer was shown off. Well, first of all, we've got the trailer itself, and it was the headline act of E3 2021, from Nintendo which showed off a little bit more detail and it definitely contrasted to the original trailer shown off in 2019. So the original trailer showed Link and Zelda travelling through a series of underground caves and while they're travelling it appears a corpse or remains of a body is being held captive or is under some kind of control or influence due to a severed arm gripping its chest. Speculation at the moment this is the remains of Ganondorf, however we don't know the details for sure. So Link and Zelda continue their travels on a huge elephant-like beast, but they continue on foot when they appear not to be able to get over a bridge. Link and Zelda come across the corpse, surrounded by a swirling green power. There's a quick cut, and at this point we see some evil escaping from the corpse, and Link gets grabbed by this thing that also appears to be trapping the supposed Ganondorf corpse, and it looks like Zelda falls down deep into the underground, perhaps splitting up the pair. Well, that was our first taste of Breath of the Wild 2 back in 2019, but now fast forward to 2021, we've got much more than that, plus a little gameplay too. So in the new trailer, we open up with Link once again being grabbed by the smoke-like corruption black and red thing, 
and looks like some kind of corruption indicated by that red colour. We see the corpse, who could be Ganondorf raising his hands into the air, once again alive and kicking, followed by a reminder that Zelda falls to the depths of the underground. The tone then dramatically changes as we see Link falling from the sky, so he's way up there in the clouds and appears to be free falling down to Hyrule below. Link then is seen riding his glider safely down to the ground. It's the first thing to notice here that when Link is falling from the sky, he appears to have a corrupted right arm, whereas the Link with the glider appears to be as per the Breath of the Wild Link. Now it looks like there could be two Links in this game, perhaps similar to Ocarina of Time, where we play a young Link or regular Link. Well next we see Link running through Hyrule, long hair flowing, again with that corrupted arm. So in the distance, we can see the floating islands in the sky. So this appears to be one of the major themes for Breath of the Wild 2, with Hyrule dramatically changed from the first game, and parts of Hyrule having floated up into the air. Yeah, given we see Link skydiving down from above, I'm pretty sure we're not going to be only underground, as indicated by the first trailer, but we're also going to be travelling high above Hyrule on the islands in the sky. And this is very similar to Skyward Sword, and it may be one of the reasons that Skyward Sword is going to be released again this year, for the Nintendo Switch. Perhaps the creators at Nintendo want us to understand the origins of the Zelda franchise before diving back into the world of Breath of the Wild. So moving on, we see the Bokoblins on the top of a stone talus rising up from the ground. There's a quick shot of what appears to be Link's arm glowing and covered in light. So there is speculation at the moment rather than Sheikah Slate, this time we're going to be using Link's arm and perhaps it's going to have different abilities and also attachments too and this harks back to some Breath of the Wild concept art where we see an armless Link. It certainly makes sense to have some kind of multi-tool that we use and the Sheikah Slate made sense in the Wii U days given the kind of item with a touchscreen that we could hold but it's going to be interesting to see how this one evolves. But we don't know yet exactly what happened to Link's arm but we know something is definitely going on here. Well next up in the trailer we see Link wielding some new powers He's got his spiky ball falling down a hill towards him, and it looks like Link can either turn back time or use some kind of kinetic power to push the spiky ball back up the hill. You know, a rewind time mechanic would be really, really cool, and this opens up a lot of possibilities for puzzles in the game. And we're not yet clear on whether full-blown dungeons are going to return to the sequel to Breath of the Wild just yet, but this was a huge part of the feedback since the original came out in 2017. Fans really want to see the return of larger dungeons, rather than the smaller shrines. We also see Link wielding what looks to be a flamethrower, but this one is on his left arm when compare it to the corrupted arm being on the right. So Link then does a little backflip to evade enemies' fighting. So strangely, Link then also appears to travel directly through concrete via a water-like ability. It's unclear as to what is happening here, but it looks like Link is once again reversing time as the water droplet goes up rather than down. And then Link appears to travel through solid stone, arriving high above Hyrule in the clouds. So it's all really mysterious, and we're likely to hear a lot more about this really, really soon. In the final scene, we see Castle Hyrule shaking and rumbling against the backdrop of dramatic music, and then it raises up into the sky. And there's clearly some event that leads to this, and whether it's that discovery of the corpse Ganondorf under the ground, or the corruption escaping and affecting Hyrule, we just don't know. So the latest trailer closes with the castle in the sky, with Zelda's lullaby playing in the background against a beautiful sunset over Hyrule, and they face to black with the number 2022 left on the screen. So we were hoping for more of a firm release date, but there's plenty of details in the trailer here, and I really, really discover more every time I watch it. 
Now, fan theories have been swirling since the release of the first trailer, but now we've got another one the theories have really gone into overdrive, so let's take a moment to go over the most common ones. So first of all, can we play as Zelda in Breath of the Wild 2? So since the first trailer, fans were hoping for some kind of co-op play with Link in Breath of the Wild 2, and since the second trailer came out, it appears that if Link and Zelda get separated in some way, so Zelda looks like she falls down to the depths, and it could be that Link and Zelda are split up and we have to play as both of them to hopefully meet up later in the game. Now perhaps the Zelda sections are underground, whereas the Link sections are above ground on Hyrule and also on the islands in the sky. Well next up, can we play as Ganondorf in Breath of the Wild 2? So there's definitely something up with Link in the trailers. One of the Links looks like he's from Breath of the Wild, another looks like he's got long hair, plus he's got that corrupted arm. And since the first trailer came out, so theories about Ganondorf being the corpse or releasing the corruption have been going around, but fans have taken that a little bit of a step further and think perhaps one of the Links we actually see isn't Link, but actually a young Ganondorf. There are similarities between the shoulder tunic from the character in the trailer to the one on the corpse, plus we never actually see Link's face in the trailer, so there's maybe something fishy going on. There are clues in the lore to Breath of the Wild also. For example, in the tapestry, we see a hero saving Hyrule from the Calamity 10,000 years ago before the events of Breath of the Wild, and the hero saving the world has similarities to the corpse Ganondorf seen in the first trailer. You know, personally, I'm sure about this one, given that Ganondorf is the only male Gerudo, but only time will tell, and it would be a massive surprise. Well, can we control time in Breath of the Wild 2? So there are a couple of moments in the latest trailer where we see a Link potentially controlling time, including pushing a spiky ball back up the hill, and also a strange water-like traversal where he goes upwards and appears to travel through solid rock. Well, next up, is there a connection between this and Skyward Sword? So the second trailer for Breath of the Wild 2 looks really similar to the gameplay found in Skyward Sword where Link travels between the island and the sky called Skyloft. So one of the main shots in the new trailer is Link skydiving down towards Hyrule and this suggests we could be spending plenty of time in the Sky Islands and perhaps we'll return to Skyloft found in Skyward Sword. It's also interesting that this summer Skyward Sword is getting an HD remaster for Nintendo Switch coming out on the 16th of July 2021 and perhaps Nintendo wants us to brush up on Skyward Sword before going into Breath of the Wild 2. Now, Skyward Sword is an underrated Zelda game with some great dungeon design, but the game did have a whole load of bloat, especially at the start of the game which turned off many fans. Well, the new trailer was cut together brilliantly, and it looks like Nintendo wants fans to speculate about what's going to go on in Breath of the Wild 2. So it'd be great to hear what you think down in the comments, your theories, or get in contact through patreon.com forward slash this week in video games and i'll read them out on the next podcast well that is it for this breath of the wild 2 trailer analysis and sequel theories roundup but next up let's check out another great game on nintendo switch this one is pathway pathway's vision feels like a cross between indiana jones and advance wars with a pinch of roguelike thrown in there for good measure. And the game looks beautiful, however there's definitely some areas for improvement in this ambitious strategy RPG. Turn-based tactics games are making somewhat of a comeback, with popular entries in the genre over the past few years including Gears Tactics, Into the Breach and Wargroove, another fun game from Chucklefish, just to name a few. Pathway is similar, albeit with gameplay mixed in with classic adventure game style, and Pathway is set in the 1930s colonial Africa, 
and also the Middle East, which gives off massive Indiana Jones vibes. In the classic Chucklefish style, the pixel art shouts quality, and the game is absolutely beautiful to look at, and the game is primarily a turn-based strategy game where you have to head up a team of adventurers, crossing the desert, fending off the Nazi enemies as you go. As you make your way across the map, you're presented with a few text-based scenarios which will lead you either into battle or to collect resources, and as well as the narrative choices to make, there's also the inventory management aspect of the game. For example, you have to manage your petrol for your jeep as you cross the desert, and ammo is also something you're going to need to take note of and manage because your team shares it amongst themselves. You'll also be able to pick up resources at various stop points and stations, but the combination of these systems together does make for a good time and one where you have to pay attention to all the interconnected systems. You know, the one to really pay attention to is the petrol, as walking on foot through the desert definitely isn't fun. You know, the randomization really keeps things fresh, but there could be a little bit of an element of keeping things too fresh, as sometimes the RNG feels a little bit oppressive. To help with this, there are a couple of difficulty sliders, one that weakens enemies, and another that lets you start with petrol and ammo, which was a welcome option. Yeah, Pathway Story is broken up nicely into little chunks, which helps the variety as you do more runs. Now, this is something the game does really well and minimises the repetitive nature for the game each run, and there's five campaigns to choose from, all of which resemble similar movie settings like Raiders of the Lost Ark, which is an absolute classic. Similar themes are encountered across runs, for example, battling Nazis or taking on ancient cults, and the story elements sometimes feel a bit of a means to an end, as the lore segments are few and far between. So given you're meant to replay the story over and over again to uncover the many mysteries, it's a shame that Pathway doesn't go into great detail. It's really similar to something like Hades, where you go on a repeatable journey, but unfortunately it just doesn't have that depth of stories that Hades does. So Pathway doesn't really dig too deep into the lore and the characters, and with a game like this it would be really go into a lot of detail on each run, so over time you can really build up the tapestry of the characters. We don't really get the opportunity to delve beneath the surface, it's a shame because the cast of characters really show a lot of promise early on. Yeah, talking of the characters, we've got Baron Von B. German, the classic villain monocle wearing type, and also there's Jackson Sheffield, the American adventurer, basically Indiana Jones in all but name. As you accumulate runs, your characters develop and grow over time, and you do get to keep that loot that you find over different runs. You gain XP and level up, plus collect an array of weapons and armour, and characters have detailed stats and skills, which generally relate to the weapons that they can use. You know, some characters do have unique perks and attributes like medical abilities or knowledge of ancient languages, and these moments are few and far between, but it really helps out with the world-building element of Pathway, and these are some of the best moments and the most memorable in the game for me. So as you progress with the story, your party grows from 2 to 4, and your array of attacks expands too. And the new party members do mix things up in terms of combat, but also their personalities as well. So combat in Pathway is a pretty straightforward tactics RPG system, and battles take place on a grid, and it's down to you to increase your aim percentage whilst avoiding enemy attacks. Combat is relatively fast-paced, which I really appreciated, when compared to other tactics games, that is a nice touch. So health, armour, ammo, you know, it's all fairly limited, so it is in your best interest to win quickly. Your party members have got special abilities based on their weapons, and also the armour, plus their special combat actions, which can be used for more potent attacks. So party members who die whilst in battles have to step aside for the next run, unless you pay currency to get them back faster. And while this plays into the whole risk and reward structure of the tactics games, it does mean that it's probably best to level up characters more evenly, otherwise you run the risk of losing your most powerful squad members. 
This does mean things can move a bit of a slower pace, which does have a bit of a negative impact on the feel of the game. In summary, Pathway does have a lot going for it. The artwork is beautiful, the setting and the characters are really interesting. It's simply that the tactics element and the random nature of the games do give it a few negative points. They're saying that there's certainly a lot to like here. You know, it has that chucklefish charm, which runs through a lot of their games that they publish. You know, I'm a sucker for pixel art, and this one got me on that front too. You know, the combination of roguelike elements and the tactical RPG battles works really well early on, but as you keep playing, there isn't really enough detail in the storytelling to keep you hooked. However, saying that, if you are a fan of tactics genre and Indiana Jones, then I would definitely give this one a shot. So the game was developed by Robotality, it's published by Chucklefish, it was originally released on the PC, Linux, Mac, but now it's also available on Nintendo Switch, and I reviewed it on Nintendo Switch with the review copy being provided by Chucklefish. And the game on Nintendo Switch was released on the 27th of May 2021, and originally the game was released on other platforms on the 11th of April 2019. Well that is it for my review of Pathway, but next up, let's look at what we've got coming out in the next few weeks. Well, on the 29th of June, we've got a few games. We've got Curve Space, that's on the PS5, Xbox Series consoles, also the PS4, Xbox One, and PC. We've got Destroy All Humans, that's coming out on Switch. And we've got Disgaea 6, Defiance of Destiny, coming out on Nintendo Switch. We've got Doom Eternal, coming out on the PS5 and the Xbox Series consoles. We've also got Sky, Children of Light, and Spirit of the North, coming out on the Xbox Series consoles and the Xbox One. On the 30th of June, we've got Doki Doki Literature Club Plus, coming on the PS5, Xbox Series consoles, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. Also on the 30th, we've got Greedfall, coming on the PS5, and the Xbox Series consoles. And then we move ahead to the 6th of July, we've got Plague Tale Innocence, coming on the PS5, Xbox Series S and X, and also Nintendo Switch. Ender Lilies, Quietus of the Nights, that's coming on the PS5 and the PlayStation 4. And we got Wise 9, Mostrum Nox. Then on the 8th of July, we've got Sam and Max. This time it's virtual. That's coming out on the Oculus Quest. And then finally, on July the 9th, we've got Monster Hunter Stories 2, Wings of Ruin. Well, that is it for this week's episode. And if you want to get involved in the show, then get in contact through patreon.com forward slash this week in video games or check out the latest on the website. Send in your questions, your comments, your video game stories. I'm definitely always interested in hearing from you. I'd love to read them out on the podcast. Well, thank you so much for watching or listening. And for more This Week in Video Games content like this, like, subscribe on YouTube and share with a friend. To join our community, check out the Discord link in the description. You can follow me on Twitter at TWIVG Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast or found it useful, liking and sharing it would really help me out. Otherwise, check out the other podcasts in the feed. Well, thanks again. I'll see you soon.